You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. And welcome to this week's edition of The Couch Brotatoes. I'm Alex. No cap. And Chris. That's all you need. <laughs> Just Alex That's and all Chris. You need. We're going gonna to be doing a whole lot of Marvel yeah. stuff here soon. Maybe yeah. with a special guest. Oh, shit. Yes, possibly. Possibly. Little tease, little tease. Jesus? But- yeah no you're jesus chris yeah that's what i heard i heard <laughs> on a long drive you're you're jesus chris yeah but no hey continuing on with doing just a whole bunch of marvel stuff as we get ready to in the back it's like all bunch of shit started dropping all at once it's like we still need to do our stranger things one but it's like the stranger things episodes came out and kenobi has come out so it's like i don't know i a part of me really wants to start Stranger Things, but at the same time, I kind of want to finish our retrospective first before I actually start it. Yeah. So that's going to be hard, staying away from all of like the review videos and spoilers and all that stuff. But hey, we're going to talk about Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the guy with the mental disorder who wears a cape and yeah. a hood. So uh, going into this, I had maybe passing knowledge on who moon knight was i know i had seen the character a lot because uh, as you'd mentioned uh definitely had a few spider-man crossovers mm-hmm. uh so i i definitely recognized the name i'd seen the character outside of maybe reading a story or two that had really nothing to do with moon knight it was just oh he's here mm-hmm. i knew nothing about the character although eddie ford from the self-made monsters here locally um he has been a big Moon Knight fan for years, and when he heard this was coming out, even he was like, well, goddamn, I might have to get Disney Plus just to watch that. So I know he was even excited for it, and he kind of told me a little bit of back end where I knew it was, a, essentially he was just like, guy with multiple, multiple personalities disorder that got his uh, powers from an Egyptian god. Yeah. And he, and he was like a smuggler and all this kind of stuff, and I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, that was enough to draw me in. This show, to me, shocked me in a good way. I was not expecting it to be this good. Mm -hmm. So far, probably right next to Loki and WandaVision with my favorite Marvel series they've done so far. A lot of Moon Knight stuff I saw growing up was a handful of characters, like a handful of comic stuff. But a lot of it was the Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, okay, he, yeah. He's the yep, mainstay of right. Marvel vs. Capcom. That was probably that. another place I remember his name. Um, and that's that's where you mainly see him. Um, I didn't see him in Marvel Open Ultimate Alliance, I think, to like the third or fifth game or something like that. Um, but yeah, in the comics, he's... Like most... I, I, I don't want to mean to sound like an ass or anything, but like secondary characters that were later created for the Marvel... Like not just the Marvel Universe or the Marvel comics. I mean, that's not anything uh, bad. I mean, Iron Man was a secondary character before Robert grabbed him. Yeah, but he's still he was still part of the Avengers. He was, but he, was, he, was, of, he was like the All Star cast yeah. when it came to like those non X Men characters, like Spider Man, Iron Man, Hulk, you know, Captain America. 
Uh, yeah, at the same time, I hear retrospectives on that. They're like, no one trusted Iron Man because he was not popular much at no. all. And that's why it was also such a big gamble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it worked out. Yeah. Um, but like with the secondary characters, you know, your She-Hulks, your Moon Knights, uh, stuff like that. You know, the power scale in the grand scheme of things is kind of yoked a little bit. Yeah. Because, hey, we know what Spider-Man can do. With the Venom suit, we know what he can do. We know what Captain America can do. Hulk and stuff like that. And then they come out with these secondary characters in the universe. They can do all that. Right. And it kind of creates a Superman effect. Because Moon Knight could actually go toe-to-toe with Thor and kick his ass mm-hmm. in the comics. Right. And it's it's infuriating, really. Because you create a character. Really? They can do that. <laughs> and they just now show the fuck up. And it's just like... It's a, it's a little perturbing in this whole, like, if you're going to tell a, a linear story, but Marvel's great about creating the multiple mm-hmm. worlds. And I was going to say, in the way they created this world, honestly kind of answered your question of, you know, what why didn't this person swoop in? Well, clearly he had an ag- agenda that, you know, he was being whispered in the ear of. So it's like he, he was totally on his own path, not paying attention to anything else going on. And I, and I think about, you know, the trying to... I always look at it like a more realistic aspect. If you're just a human being in this universe, in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, boom, your life sucks. There is no stability. You don't know where you're going, where you're coming from half the time. Hell, the world lost like half a billion, like 4.82 billion people in like a second. Yep. And they just showed the fuck back up. So your population doubled. Your food supply did not. <laughs> Land did not. Uh, heroes came back so did villains so you're just like what the fuck you know like in, in, in the grand scheme of the Marvel Cinematic Universe I would kill myself <laughs> for the fact that <laughs> I hate this fucking earth I hate this earth I hate this place I hate this universe <laughs> but that, but another like little side part of this is just like oh Thor exists so that means the Vikings were right the whole time Huh, that's fucking nuts. Meanwhile, in Cairo, holy shit, Egyptian gods fought each other. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> religion has torn down across the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is gone. Well, so I thought it was kind of interesting, too. So it really felt like with this series, they were paying very close attention to make sure that they weren't going to kind of step on or fuck anything up. Because even on that aspect... All of the gods that we saw in this series were kind of like banished gods. Mm -hmm. Gods that were no longer looked upon kindly, you know, among the main. It's like there was multiple levels. They weren't the bottom tier, but they certainly weren't the top tier anymore. And it seems like the top tier and the top top don't really pay attention to any of that below. So Thor would have not even been paying attention to what was happening. Zeus, that's coming out in the new Thor movie, he wouldn't have even been wiser as to what's going on because that would be like, you know, the rats having a fight in the parking lot as we're taking a nap or sleeping mm-hmm. upstairs. Well, it's, it's, it's a pantheon mm-hmm. of multiple areas. So, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Roman and Greek mythology exists, Egyptian mythology exists, Norse, mm-hmm. uh, and a lesser extent... 
And technically Christianity, because of Steve Rogers' yeah. quote, he's like, there's only one God, ma'am. <laughs> and I like that. Like, Steve Rogers is like, yes, I'm the world's greatest man, but yet. Yes, I stood in the room with someone that called themselves a God, but there's only one true God, ma'am. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and it, it works out. Yeah. It, it, was, it didn't become like a shitty little thing. But, like, could you just imagine for the moment that, holy shit, that's real? That's real? Maybe, maybe my religion's real. Fuck it. <laughs> And this is also the same universe where the Kool-Aid man exists in real life. Uh, people forget that. That's uh, one. The Kool-Aid man. Wait, in this, in the Marvel Universe? He exists in the Marvel Universe. Uh, there's a conspiracy about that. A conspiracy. No, okay. No, because he, he shows up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he progressively gets more powerful throughout the, the length that he's there. And we're not talking about Thanos. No, he's, he's, no, he's not like a Thanos character, but he's just like... It's purple Kool-Aid man. No, red Kool-Aid man. <laughs> Thanos being yeah. purple Kool-Aid man. Yeah. yeah, but like, yeah, the Kool-Aid man exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's a theory. A Chris theory. Yeah. <laughs> um, but could you just, like, just on an aspect of, you know, let's say you've been going to church and all this, and all of a sudden you see video of a giant alligator woman <laughs> fighting a giant fucking skeleton bird. Yeah. But you talk about like the band gods, you know, which which was a cool ass thing of the, the whole mythos mm-hmm. of the Egyptian thing is like they brought in a lot of actual mythos to it, and they oh, said, yeah. uh, "Oh wait, we can't be here because we need a avatar." Yeah, basically, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, well, let's go ahead and break it down episode by episode because they they don't really go on a full linear story no. path either. So it's like that, Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of even works with our jumping around like we did with last episode, kind of discussing mm. the Batman. Uh, but yeah, Batman. episode one, The Goldfish Problem. Stephen Grant works at a British museum in London where he hopes to become a tour guide using his knowledge of ancient Egypt. After going to sleep one night, he wakes up in the... Uh, Austrian Alps, yep, that's right, and witness a cult meeting led by Arthur Harrow, who demands a scarab Grant unknowingly has in his possession. So that was kind of an interesting thing. That's the first time he has his little mind, and all of a sudden it's like, you can tell he's used to it, though, Mm -hmm. because you saw scenes of him, like, you know, chaining himself up to the bed or, you know, unchaining himself in the morning. You know, he's got, like, a salt ring around him. He's got tape up against the door. All the the things he thinks that he's going to keep himself from sleepwalking, essentially. But, yeah, we've come to find out that's not really sleepwalking. And, yeah, he has this thing called a scarab in his hand. And, um, uh, let's see. Well, another like this one just it foreshadows a lot of stuff in the first mm-hmm. episode. Uh, the whole, a lot of blackouts. A lot of blackouts, but uh, one thing that comes up later on is no, my name's Steven. Yes, yes. Uh, he gets called the wrong name, mm-hmm. and then at, you, at the uh, museum, the museum, and this version that we hear about it just in passing was he's very confident, he's very cavalier. Uh, he asked a woman out yep. that he worked with. Uh, it didn't work out, mm-hmm. but that's because he switched. Yep, uh, and, and it sometimes kinda, days at a time, and, and it kind of foreshadows uh, what happens later on in the show, where the personalities take over for certain amounts of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the build-up to that was really good because we were only getting the perspective of Steven for the mm-hmm. longest time. And as an editor, I thought that was so cool. I can't. I think it was in this episode. Oh no! It was. It's in the uh, next episode, but uh, the scene where he's uh, fighting with the guys in the truck. 
Yeah. And it's like, and he keeps blacking out. Mm -hmm. And then it gets worse and worse. Yes. I was loving that because it's just like, what the fuck is happening? It's like, I knew what was happening, but at the same time, I was allowing myself to fall into him and be like, what's happening here? (laughs) I do like, I do like the fact that Steven is just a neutral ground. Yeah. Um, He is the real one. Okay. I was going to ask, do you think Steven is the real one? Yes. I, I question that. Because of what happens later on, I, I consider Stephen the real one because he maintains the, the the body the longest. Right now, the real one is Moon Knight, the the one who takes on the mantle of Moon Knight. The other Mark, Mark, Mark is actual the mainstay. Mark is yeah. born as Mark. I was gonna, I was about Mark, to say, no, I was he, like, he's yeah. born as Mark. Yeah, okay, yeah, but. As a child, he develops the switch, mm-hmm. and now Stephen is the mainstay because right. from childhood to adulthood, he maintains that. Right. Only going into Stephen mm-hmm. at little moments in time, except for basically the vacation. Yeah. So to, to to get away, mm-hmm. Mark turns into Stephen. Yeah. And to get shit done, he turns back into Mark. Mm-hmm. And to really get shit done, he turns, <laughs> he turns into Dr. Doom. Like, yeah, basically. And we'll, and we'll get to that at the end, because I thought that was an awesome little uh, post-singer credit. I, I do like the non-acknowledgement of that from the Stephen and Mark part, mm. because at no point when Stephen is scared and is about to get murdered, and then it flashes forward, yeah. and all these people are dead, at no point does Mark pound up, like, oh yeah, that was totally me. <laughs> at no point is no both say, of them are like that was not yeah, of either course they of don't. us and they're just like that that kind of builds the distrust mm-hmm. and it's just like oh my god he's tyler durden <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh he gets away uh and then he realizes two days have passed uh after he wakes up at home mm-hmm. uh he finds a hidden cell phone and a key card in his apartment and receives a call from a frequent number in the phone's call log a woman named layla who addresses him as Mark. The very next day, Grant is confronted by Harrow, who reveals that he is a servant of the Egyptian goddess Amit. Uh, Grant escapes from Harrow, but is forced to remain at work uh, that Faced, forced to remain at work that night on his own to make up for being late because he was gone for like two days <laughs> and which Haro's, uh summons a jackal-like creature to attack Grant but in his quote reflection asked to take control of the body Grant agrees transforming into uh, a cloaked warrior who kills the jackal aka the Moon Knight yes so the transformation of Moon Knight was pretty badass it is, oh, yeah. it is like a spawn type thing it just it, uh, materializes out of nowhere um, I thought I thought it was very elaborate too, considering what they what they had to work with, compared like because uh, Moon Knight when he's drawn is a Batman esque character. He has a utility belt of some kind, uh, but this one it's all just pure suit. Yeah, um, mystical. Yeah, yeah. He pulls out the blades from the chest. Uh, the way he moves is very uh, rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Batman, but, but I love just his intro scene, which was uh, he's like because uh, at this point Mark and Steven are talking to each other in their uh, reflections, and he's like, "Let me take control," and he's just like, oh, "Okay," like that. And you and you see it, and you just you you don't get a full view of him yet because it's only episode one, mm-hmm. and but it's like, and then it slowly does that creep up the hallway where you see water just coming yeah. out of the bathroom, and you just hear that that noise that you're talking about in the Batman movie, just that. Yeah. And it just creeps up around the corner, and you just see this guy crouched on the floor, just beating the 
fuck out of people just whips around you see it's moon night and then it closes out in credits it's like fuck yes that's how you start an episode <laughs> and you know going into that part it's it starts all over he's back in his bed every day I yeah. wake. <laughs> that song got stuck yeah. in my head all month man and it goes back to the whole tied himself to the bed with the sand around it, trying to, okay, I'm back where I need to be. All that was bullshit. He's not hurt because the suit doesn't allow the person to be hurt. Yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty badass because the suit is basically like a spawn mm-hmm. type suit made by some type of mythological deity. <laughs> and now you're chained to Can't them. Conchu. Conchu. Yes, which we get a little bit... Conchu's a fucking prick. (laughs) Well, we get some info on him in episode two. Uh, Grant is blamed for the damage caused by the jackal creature due to it not appearing in the security cameras, kind of setting up that you don't see the mystical thing. So, kind of answer that question, that really big fight at the end. Most people actually didn't see it. Mm. So, that's another reason why, you know, maybe people weren't so freaked out. Be like, I hate this universe! (laughs) (laughs) But it... It, it, Ethan Hawke plays a very unique character in this, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very uh, a one-tier villain. Yeah. He's your uh, villain from Shang-Chi. But, he's your... He's your... Uh, he's... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, like a Red Skull. Yeah. Like, he's, he's tier one. He doesn't get brought up. He probably won't get brought back. No. Because uh, probably he's in hell. <laughs> um, but the way they make him is a fallen superhero. Yeah. He was the Moon Knight, and he mm-hmm. said, "Fuck that noise! I found something that uh, end all be all answer." Granted, is a little bit whack, a <laughs> little bit, a little bit, because essentially, Conchu uh, believes that uh, only the guilty, the people that have already committed crime, should be punished, and yes. that's and that's what he was using Mark for is to the vengeance. Yes, uh, so you know you've got you know a rapist or a serial yeah. killer. It's like you better watch out. Moon Knight's going to be right behind you, about to just take care of you and just get you off this planet. And Harrow's more of a preventative kind of medicine. Yes, he. Has has a tattoo on his arm that's a scales. A, a scales and basically as soon as he grabs your arm or your hand rather the scales start balancing and if they turn red and off to one side you immediately get drained of your life you die but if you're all green essentially you become part of his cult because that means you are of pure heart that means you weren't ever going to do anything of evil intent your entire life thus you are allowed to pass through what they are wanting to believe to be their version of heaven which to kind of jump ahead a little bit I'm going to forget about this uh, when we get up to it but I found it interesting when Mark and Stephen were talking to the hippo god she actually references the ancestral plane from uh, Black Panther mm-hmm. as one of those realms. Mm-hmm. So they're even connecting the uh, the Panther God that gives Black yeah. Panther their uh, powers. They're starting mm-hmm. to connect that with all yeah. of this too. So well, it, it built it kind of the great thing about the comics and the movies and like the cinematic universe itself. It kind of gives a it paints with a broad brush mm-hmm. uh, of what the heavens look like. Yeah, because even in Thor. The Thor movies, you see, hey, what is Earth? It's called Midgar. Yep. What is hell? That's where hell is from. Mm-hmm. But it's hell. spelled H-E-L. Hell. Because mm-hmm. that's what North mythology said. Yeah. Where do you go when you die as a war? You go to Valhalla, which is just heaven. Yep. The same place Black Panther went when he died, which was his version of heaven. 
It's, it's just the different versions of the same thing. Granted, Norse mythology has, I think, eight realms altogether. Jotunheim, uh, which was the ice giants. Uh, Nifgard, which is the home of the elves. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's, there's multiple ones, which I think are just very elaborate. Mm-hmm. But so is the Egyptian mythology. So is the Greek mythology. When, we're, when you see Mount Olympus, that's basically what you're seeing in the new Thor movie. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious how they're going to betray not just Zeus, but the rest of them. Uh-huh. Because I hope Hercules is a bumbling fool. I want to see... This isn't supposed to be a Thor episode, though. But, like, I want to see the best depiction of these characters because mm-hmm. I, I used to read about this stuff all the time. Yeah. Uh, and Thor and the whole uh, Sif, and if you read Norse mythology, it's close. It's mm-hmm. so fucking close to, like, that real, that real mythos. Yeah. And this one came pretty close too mm-hmm. like hey where you, uh, who's gonna take you the, the hippo lady the giant hippo lady who just really wants an avatar <laughs> oh yeah which is a, she's a child <laughs> like no we, we, i was gonna say we'll definitely get to her but she was one of my favorite characters in the thing she was awesome I, I just, I, conchu though conchu is very like he's like a pushy drug dealer yeah let me get in your body <laughs> Let's see. Um, Mark, uh, the current avatar of the Egyptian Mugai Ganshu, uh, Grant is confronted by Layla, mm-hmm. uh, Spectre's wife, who is unaware of Grant's existence before being arrested by police officers uh, working for Harrow. Uh, Hero reveals that he was once Conchu's previous avatar, as we mentioned, uh, and he explains that he wants to use the scarab to find Amit's tomb and resurrect her so he, uh, so she can purge humanity of evil by wiping out everyone who will commit crime. So, yeah, we there's actually some pushback that. on this scene um, because there's a part where Ethan Hawke speaks like broken Mandarin. Yeah, I heard about that. And... I can understand that mm-hmm. because the way so many other actors go beyond to do certain things, like if if you didn't know this, uh, for a movie, the guy that plays Mark Spector learned Spanish. Yeah, he knows Spanish. Yeah, uh, a lot of people learn sign language to play certain deaf characters. Echo is one of them. Yeah. Um, well, she didn't just learn; she is deaf. Yeah, but like the other characters. Jeremy Renner yeah. learned sign to do this role. Right. And they went above and beyond. And it, it's a kind of a slap in the face if you're an actor. And, you know, even in the shows, you know, some of these actors have gone above and beyond just to do oh, the yeah. shows. And it's just like, you could have learned. There's a few lines. Just Not even just a few lines. Pronunciations, context goes a long way. Because the guy who brought it up mostly was uh, the guy that was in uh, Shang-Chi. Yeah. Uh, he had brought it back because a lot of this is going toward the Chinese market. A right. lot of A lot of this is, you know, not just diversity, but a lot of it is expanding it enough to make it realistic for everybody. Right. Uh, and I can see where they're coming from. Ethan Hawke is a great actor. He, I don't think I've ever really seen him in a bad movie. Um, he's in a lot of weird movies, <laughs> but uh, no, that was that was just the controversy around that whole thing, and I yeah. kind of understand where they're coming from on that. I do too. Um, just go the extra mile, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so 
By this point, uh, Layla uh, rescues Grant uh, because uh, Harrow summons another jackal creature, and uh, Grant manages to summon a suit uh, right as he's about to fall to his uh, ground because it's Steven's just yelling, uh, yelling out the entire time. I mean, Mister, sorry. he becomes Mister Knight. Yeah, Mark's yelling out the entire time because he's like, you know, refusing to give the body back, yeah. and he's just like, "Use the suit, use the suit." He's like, "I don't know how." He's like, "Just summon the suit." I don't know how, and, and he's he, like falling, 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 and then like, boom, he loons lands on the ground with the traditional superhero landing mm. and instead of the traditional moon knight suit we it's see it's a suit it is an actual suit a, <laughs> nice, I love a how, nice a nice white satin yeah and i love how mark was just Down like the glove what is this you said a suit yeah that's not the suit <laughs> yeah he looks like a, he just looks like a crossover between moon knight and deadpool yeah and, and it works it fucking oh, yeah. works because uh steven moon knight and mark moon knight are, are totally different Moon Knight. <laughs> Moon Knight is a Batman ass kicker. He is the Alfred. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Knight is Alfred because <laughs> Moon Knight's going to kill you. Mr. Knight's going to hit you with sticks. <laughs> yes. Which he found and was very impressed and very happy with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Spectre kill. Uh, at this point, Grant uh, Stephen just gets his ass beat. Mm. And finally, he's just like, okay, Mark, you can take over. And as soon as Mark takes over, it's just like. Yeah. Better watch the fuck out. Yeah. And just completely wipes the floor with everyone. Um, Conchu threatens to claim Layla as his next avatar uh, if Spectre fails to stop Harrow. Mm. Which I think is kind of an interesting thing, which kind of leads into what you were saying. Well, Conchu's kind of a dick. He is. Because he's like, look, you're, you're here to fulfill a role. I can grab another motherfucker. I don't care. And he'll be someone you care about. Yeah. Not, well, not just that. She's capable. She's, she's just as capable as Mark Spectre. She's no Jake Lockley. But that's the truth. Yeah, no one's like that. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but I will also say uh, the the change between Moon Knight and Mister Knight, Mark and Steven, that's actually something they changed that was a little different in the comic books. Mm. So when Mark or Steven decided to be Moon Knight, they were Moon Knight. Mm. But Mark could also be Mister Knight. Steven could be Mr. Knight. Yeah. All of that was interchangeable just depending on who wanted to take control at the time. So mm-hmm. for the fact that they've kind of sectioned it off where it's like, no, if it's Mark, he looks like this. If so, it's Steven, he looks like it work, this. It works well with the overly aggressive to the pacifist. Yeah. It works out. It works out pretty good. Yeah. And, and honestly, some of my favorite lines came out of Mr. Knight. Because yeah. every single time he's just like, guys, guys, let's all take a breath. Let's take a look around and see if we really want to. Okay, you're going to get it now. (laughs) And then he gets kind of cocky about it, which I kind of like. Yeah, because he realizes he's got a mean uppercut. It's just like whack. And he's he's pretty much indestructible. Uh, But I do do like the transition between one to the other very quickly. Yeah. Um, It's kind of an odd superhero thing because you don't really see it a lot. Mm-hmm. You don't see one going from another version to another version that quickly. No, you usually see that over time in a transition of like a movie, yeah, or like the episode one to the episode six or eight, you know, mm-hmm. transformation. But this one, you know, same episode, you know, see two different versions of the same character, yeah, which I'm kind of excited for when you see another like the next Thor movie and the rest of Phase Four. You'll see different versions of mainstay characters, yeah. Hey, which we actually saw in Doctor Strange, also, yeah. 
So the Hispanic uh, Doctor Strange. So episode three, the friendly type. Uh, Harrow and his followers discover the location of Amit's tomb in the Egyptian desert in Cairo. Uh, Spectre and Grant both experience blackouts while tracking a lead to Harrow's location. That's the first time they were like, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Which means there's a third. And I thought that was real. I, I found it interesting that they really didn't dive into that more. Outside of like a couple times of both of them being like, was that you? No. Was that you? No. Outside of that, they really didn't dig into it too far. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, after failing to gain any new information, Conchu calls the, a council between his fellow Egyptian gods and their avatars to warn them of Harrow's plans. And I thought that was actually a really cool scene where he mm. kind of took over Steve and it was just like speaking through him. And big props, by the way, to um, what's his head? Poe Dameron mm-hmm. that's playing uh, Oscar Isaac's. Thank you, uh, Oscar Isaac. Big props to him because holy shit, what an actor! Being able to swap between those personalities sometimes on a dime, and then those really big scenes of like the gods speaking through them. Mm-hmm. I noticed how impressive it was when also one of the. Uh, dead mercenaries started speaking uh, a god was speaking through one of them too Mm. and just that weird thing of like seeing them sit up and like the way their bodies are kind of moving as they speak and then they kind of flop back to the ground and just seeing even um the way that Conchu was speaking through Mm. mark and just like the way his body contort and like the way the voice was happening huge props amazing acting in this series i yeah. think just by everyone and like you know, even with the whole like trial thing it was it was very one-sided i i, I kind of got a weird feeling about one of them like i thought they were trying to set something up very early with uh, one that one goddess who's like hey how's Conchu doing i haven't talked to him in a while yeah you know we were friends uh-huh. oh I, i'm the goddess of music and fun like, uh-huh. we had a thing and i'm, just <laughs> and I'm like, sitting here going like i wonder why yeah so it was it it was a cool little cutaway. I was just like, that was going to be more down the road. Mm-hmm. Like maybe she, he had like, you know, one of the whole, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> one, like one, one good one person on his side on this one sided jury one in the whole I yeah. was thinking of, but, uh, maybe four, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, nah, he, it seemed like he had an ally. Conchu did yeah. on the whole setup. And then it just bites him in the ass. Yep. And, uh, but I do like the whole avatar situation. The only problem I had was they don't really show what they're like, what they could do. Uh-huh. You know, what I'm saying it's like Kanji could become Moon Knight, and later on we see the Scarlet Scarab, which is you know um, a superhero version of uh, I think her name's uh, Yatway or Ty- uh, Tyrit. Yes. The hippo lady. Yeah. Uh, so we can actually just go ahead and skip to episode four because basically the, I was kind of reading through this mm-hmm. part and it's like it's kind of leading up to what you're talking on. Uh, basically, everything else that happens in episode three is just a whole bunch of kind of fighting back and forth. Uh, Kanchu uses his powers to briefly turn back the night sky to the correct night, allowing Grant and Layla to find Amit's tomb because they basically had to destroy the leading thing just to kind of prevent. Um, uh, Harrow from getting there first. And it was the last straw. Yeah. Uh, the other gods imprison Conchu uh, for doing this, leaving Grant and Spectre's body without Conchu's powers. So now we're running powerless, running into episode four with Grant and Layla of. Uh, uh, find a des- uh, find a deserted campsite at the location of Amit's tomb, 
In which a maze in the shape of the Eye of the Horus, they discover uh, that some of Harrow's men have been killed by the undead Egyptian priests, who then attacked Grant and Layla. That was cool as hell and creepy as hell. It's just like they're just walking through there, and all of a sudden you just see that undead kind of zombie mm. thing making that clicking kind of yeah. noise. It's like, fuck. Oh, man, we skipped over something. One of the best things. Uh, we'll skip over. The crime scene guy, the crime guy, the yes, mo- the, mo- uh, the mob boss who collected a nice Egyptian shit, and that's where we see what Moon Knight's really fucking capable of. And I'm just like, like the mount, the dismount, the kill. You know, just like you're watching like Olympic gymnastics. It's like dismount, <laughs> bam, bam. You know, I'm just like, and like him fighting those guys, like the horses on with sticks. Yep, the guys with sticks. I'm just like. It's kind of elaborate ass kicking, you know, because he's trying to like he's trying to spear this dude, yeah, <laughs> hard as fuck. And I'm just like, he's killing all your guys with giant sticks, yeah. And you're gonna sort of charge at him. You think he's not gonna murder you too, you fuck? <laughs> and I'm just like, it's so badass watching it. Oh yeah, and like especially the jump off the giant, like the the gold pyramid or whatever. And he does mm-hmm. the whole moon crescent thing, which you yes. see later on. Um, it was a cool fight, and it kind of grounded the whole thing because it's very boring. Uh, first two episodes like it does skip the violence very quickly granted it is horrible violence now and also one of the things i mentioned uh when we were first watching it was this is the first time it felt like in all of the marvel series and movies they were a little bit more gratuitous with the blood and a little bit more out there with the gun violence which i'm not sensitive to at all but I do notice it when there's more of it. So this this one and like the Falcon Winter Soldier uh, are a little bit more grounded. So violence is more more necessary. Well, it even felt like in Falcon Winter Soldier that was still a pretty tame for know, the man. family thing. This uh, was a little bit more intense no, the, for like the, the, the Falcon Winter Soldier where he kills the man with a shield. Yeah, uh, and then they take it from him the hard way. Yeah, I think that that kind of cemented the whole violence part of it. Mm-hmm. Granted, he didn't do like some Captain America where he smashed some dude's innards against the fucking vehicle because you know that's what he did. Uh, but like, you are rooting for the violence in that show. Yeah, Granted, they're kinda. super-powered people. But even then, you're just like, freak his arm. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we get, we get the violence here because it is more of a dark, nitty-gritty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it works. And it works, especially with the... Uh, it does have that horror element in yeah. the fifth episode with the mummy walking around, like, gutting people. Because that's what he does. He's yeah. gutting and putting them in little jars. Which I think is hilarious. Because it's like, of all the things you, you had to pull, you pulled from a Brendan Fraser, the mummy movie. <laughs> but yeah, after all that, they fight off the... the- the evil peoples and uh grant finds the tomb and discovers that Amit's last avatar was actually alexander the great so i also find it interesting that they're kind of wrapping in real world history mm-hmm. with all of this also just yeah. kind of get, trying to ground something already so mystical but it kind of works like in the loki series when they were showing like how different real world events were actually connected to the tva loki xyz things like that do you uh, just out of curiosity do you know anything about alexander the great uh mildly mainly because i was briefly curious because he shared my name mm. so i was like briefly curious as a kid but i didn't retain much of the info. It, 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 he's just like a macedonian ass kicker from back in the day uh about probably i think it's like three or four hundred years before uh like christ but now nah, he just took over the, you know most of the known world 
That sounds about That's right. About right. He, married one, <laughs> he, he married one of, like, I think he's the son of one of the many Cleopatras of Egypt. Not the one we know, yeah, but, yeah. like, one of the early ones. But, I don't know. He, he's an ass kicker in history. Yeah. Right up over, like, Attila the Hun and Genghis Khan. So, it makes sense that he would have been possibly Amit's avatar yeah. within this universe. Now, you get me drunk and talk about Genghis Khan. We got a conversation. <laughs> God, I'm almost afraid. Who Black God was his grandson? Uh, but yeah, uh, so they were able to get the uh, Yushabi uh, from mm-hmm. the inside of Alexander's body. Uh, and Layla angrily confronts uh, Mark, who reveals that his partner killed Layla's father. Mm-hmm. And Spectre himself, um, before Kanchu revived Mark as his avatar. So yeah, yeah. so basically a, a scavenging mission gone wrong. He wound up killing her, uh, her father. He tried killing himself, but right as he was about to do that, Kanchu gave him the big speech of like, you know, do you want to fight for the good of man? You know, this, that, and the other. And, and almost kind of giving him like a born-again Christian speech. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, when you're, in, you know, when you get baptized, it's like, do you accept Jesus Christ, your personal mm-hmm. Lord and Savior? Do you do this? Do you do that? Yada, yada, yada. Do you want to live, motherfucker, forever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in so many words. And then, they're, you know, you get the dunk and you're like, you're a born again Christian. Yeah. So they kind of gives him the same speech and then gives him new life, that being actual life. Yeah, I do like the fact that you have to accept it. Yeah. It isn't like most things where it's just like, this is happening. Like in most stories about mythological people yep. and God, it's like, no, this is happening. Now, Egypt, they have to ask for permission, which I think is hilarious. And uh, in the middle of all that, while they're entirely distracted, because remember, uh, Khonshu is now locked up as a stone um, kind of little yeah totem inside. Yeah. <laughs> Soon on the Marvel uh, Disney Plus website. Um, Get your Khonshu bookends. Uh, right at about that time, Harrow arrives and shoots Mark right in the stomach. Yeah, making them fall back, and I thought that was really interesting. I was just like, "Oh shit!" They, because they actually really did kill him for yeah. a minute, and I was just like, "Shit!" They are really going hard in the motherfucking paint with this yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said the thing. <laughs> I've said that before. Do you even know what that means? Yeah, going going fucking hardcore. Okay, that's not what it means. But okay, what does it mean then? Uh, going harder than paint is the painted section right in front of a basketball goal where you're uh, striving in offense uh, and getting a technical, also not getting a charge while making a basket. So after escaping from Harrow, who appears to be... I was literally just talking about the finals. <laughs> Some people that work at I'm just like, I'm curious, does Alex know what the fuck is going on? <laughs> nope. nope. Okay. But you, you did... The, hey, you used the reference correctly, so context clues for you. <laughs> so I, I may not, I may not know the origins, but I know how to use things properly. Okay. Um, Back to fiction. Yes. <laughs> After Escape from Hero, who appears... Uh, okay, so yeah. So at this point, uh, Hero arrives uh, and shoots Spectre, who wakes up in a psychiatric hospital populated by people in his life. Mm. And at this point, my brain broke. Really? Because yes, because I'm one of those people that try. I don't try to figure it out before it happens, mm. but I do try to follow the story to a point where I like to kind of know where it's going. And then all of a sudden, this scene happens mm. where he wakes up in the hospital, and yeah, you see all the weird different symbols and mm. signs and th- references to the previous things that have happened in episodes, and I'm like, the. F- fuck is real yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, but but it plays well. Oh, it plays so it, it's, well. It's kind of a, a jab in the stomach. You see a version of this in uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, where mm-hmm. Thor has this kind of weird, like. Trippy vision. Trippy vision where he's seeing everyone dancing and everyone's got their eyes missing and he's mm-hmm. just like, we're in hell, man. Yeah. Because of you. And this is like, holy shit. You oh, know? that was Captain America's vision. That's yeah. what that was. Well, yeah. There was also, but there was the... But vi- Thor had one and so yeah. did um, yeah. Tony. Yeah. So, like, it gives a, it kind of gives that vibe of like, oh, yeah, there is a version of hell in your mind yeah. that you can be stuck in for a minute before you go to heaven or hell or whatever the fuck that Egypt people say. And, and that was the thing. for I was teetering because essentially what happens this entire time it's is like it, a it's limbo. like this. Like yeah. a limbo. Well, that's what we find out, essentially. But when I'm watching this, I'm honestly trying to figure out, was it limbo? Was this the reality all along? Mm. And this, that, and the other, because when he's speaking with psychiatric version of Harrow, yeah. there's like so many little clues that are kind of pointing toward Mark might just have really bad personality problems mm. and is being medicated because he kept asking, he's like, have you been taking your medication for mm. this problem? Who am I speaking with right now? Yeah. Does Harrow in as the psychiatrist knew a lot more than Harrow did in the show? Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, it's, it's, and it's, that's it's, what but it's the inner to, it's the inner part of the brain trying to you know, make sense of you dying. Yeah, and they make that really clear by the mm. second and uh, the following episodes. But just that first little bit, mm-hmm. I'm like the hell. And then he finds the door and unlocks it, lets Stephen out. Now we've got two <laughs> of the actors on screen. So I'd watched this episode about three times. Yeah, um, and I noticed a slip in this one where. Uh, you had brought it up during the time we were watching it. You uh-huh. see, you see, Mark has a bloody nose. Yeah, um, and we're not sure why. Uh, and so I went and watched it again, and then again. Um, and he has this kind of a snap uh, where he snaps back at Ethan Hawke, and I'm just like, "Oh, there he is! There's the guy we see between the flashes. It is the ultra violent Jake Lockley." Yes. Um, and the thing is, is but the, the problem with Jake Lockley is he is not corporeal. No. So, so you have uh, Stephen. So Mark. So in this episode, we go, we kind of go deep in the whole mythos. Now, do of, do of we want to go into episode five? Or oh, not quite. Okay. So like in the hippopot, where the hippopotamus shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so he escapes Ethan Hawke just for like a minute, right? As Mark. Yeah. And they're banging on. There's going through the hallway with the doors. He opens up each door. There's a little bit different things in each one. It's kind of like a horror show, including one which was a, um, a uh, an Egyptian Sar- sarcophagus. Yes, yeah, sarcophagus, and it's, and it's banging. Uh-huh. There's something in there, and that's to me that's Jake. Yeah, that he's, they don't he's fully locked. Like up. they know something's in there. It's probably super violent. So let's just keep it locked up yep. until we absolutely need it, um, like a gun. But. And then uh, my favorite scene of this whole episode is actually them, this like the very end where they open the door and it's a giant hippopotamus lady. Yeah. Like, hi. Hi. <laughs> and it's just like, and they're, they're, they're genuinely terrified, which, you know, a six foot eight hippopotamus lady shows in front of you who speaks English. That, but, that would be terrifying. Oh, yeah. But no. Uh, so what I was trying to get at was, uh, so anytime you saw uh that character with the broken nose mm-hmm. that was jake lockley i yeah. kind of I, I i did the exact same thing you did and that's what was really weird about it because if you notice 
he is t- he is talking in a slightly different dialect, mm-hmm. and he is acting a little bit more oblivious. Well, if you notice something he does, which you see in a lot of uh, movies, he turns his back mm-hmm. to Ethan Hawke, which um, anytime you watch like an action film or if, if you really know what you're looking for, people who are like that don't sit their back to the door. He turns his back to Ethan Hawke because he knows he's a weak man and he could kill him. It's what's yeah. coming through that door he's worried about, right. which are the people with the medicine to make Jacob disappear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And I think I think it's, it works out pretty good. You do it, the the subtleness of the whole acting of changing the voice into a more Hispanic esque tone mm-hmm. uh, works perfectly because because oh, yeah. you're like, oh, Oscar Isaac is just in a moment. You know, just try to transition from both. both. And then you're like, oh, no, 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 no. He's got a third voice yep. that he's been training to do that's not going to show up quite yet. And again, just fantastic acting. Because yep. those were the ones I was talking about him clipping between personalities so fast. Mm-hmm. So fucking good. If you like that, if you like the, the transition between a person who can switch it on and off and do it with, hi, I'm, I'm Rick Diggins, to, <laughs> I'm Jake Lockwood. <laughs> if, if, if you want somebody who can do, who, who can do the switch, like that, you'd fucking lose your mind watching Westworld. Oh, I'm sure. Dude, dude the acting gymnastics and that is the same thing Oscar Isaacs is doing in this. And it's fantastic. Hell yeah. But yeah, so at this point, uh, after we see our uh, big old hippo lady, our hippo god rather, hippo goddess, maybe? Hippopotamus. Yeah, hippopotamus. <laughs> it says, uh, episode five, the hippopotamus headed, lady, headed woman and the Egyptian goddess Twarit. Uh, who explains that Spectre and Grant are now dead and the, quote, psychiatric hospital is a boat sailing through the duet, the Egyptian afterlife. And that's why I was saying it's kind of connected to the Black Panther one that we yeah. saw. Uh, so, yeah, by this point, they fully explain it. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. But they, they left you curious on that previous episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> she does really weird shit where she, like, reaches in their chests and grabs their hearts out. Yeah, so in Egyptian mythology, your heart is taken out of you and weighed with a feather. Yes. And if your heart is lighter than the feather, you're you're good. You're yep. golden. And the field of reeds is what they're uh, what they're mainly trying to shoot yep. for, and which is the same thing as Valhalla, uh, the fields of Elysium in the Roman mythology, and it kind of like you kind of see like the correlations of how everyone describes the path to heaven. Which is just like a field of wheat, yep. a field of plenty, mm-hmm. and a field of reeds in Egypt. You know, Valhalla Elysium is the field of uh, grain, which is you know what was popular for Romans. And it, if you think about that, how calming that is, it matches perfectly with tone of any type of mythos they're trying to portray. And she was really because and through exposition, and this is what those few times that smart exposition really works, because you've got two characters that have no idea what's going on, just mm. like the viewer. So they would be asking the questions that the viewer would want to know anyway. So through that we learn that essentially one, she was kind of new to this because not a lot of people worshipped the Egyptian gods mm, anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. That exactly, because they were kind of banished. But what gets me is like Stephen. Stephen is the one who's just like cheesing like a motherfucker. Oh yeah, the big nerd of that's, all that's those. his bag. Yeah, Mark, because it, Mark is just like, where's the gun and where can I shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen's like, oh, 
you're yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and she's like flattered yeah she's like oh my god you know who i am he's like of course i do <laughs> but yeah so uh but not only did she not get a lot of those people through but she also makes it a point of kind of going depending on which god you worship you go through different things mm-hmm. So because you were part of Amit's uh, mm. source, this is the this is the afterlife in which you have to go through. Yeah. So I thought that was just kind of interesting, too, how it even kind of gives credence to, you know, a Christian afterlife was going to be different than one that, you know, was part of the Egyptian yeah. gods. And all depending on what you believed, your journey was going to be unique. Yeah. And it, it works out really good because... Uh, uh, it's gonna, you know, that's gonna carry over into the other like new Black Panther movie, probably. Oh yeah, and like it's just, I can't wait for the Na- uh, the Namor one where you see like Atlantis Hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this episode gets fucking nutty. Asylum does uh, because after weighing sh- their hearts, uh, she says uh, their hearts are imbalanced by hidden memories that she suggests they have to explore together. And which uh, Steven sees a memory of Mark's younger brother, Randall, drowning and Spectre's mother blaming it on him. All of that was nuts. Yeah. Seeing them go through the different doors, trying to figure out different things. Because every so often, uh, Steven would kind of look at that door and be like, what is that? And Mark's like, don't worry about it. Well, because it's Mark. Because Mark is the first. Yeah. And Mark uh, creates Steven as a linchpin to sanity. And but Stephen doesn't know that. Stephen no. doesn't know he's the. It kind of reminds me of like Futurama, where there's the two fries. Yeah, and he's like he doesn't know he's the second one, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, when you see it, and it's just like no, you don't understand. I made you to help me out. Yeah, not the other way because around. Because Stephen thought he was the first. Yes, because he would think you would, you would think that like in the narrative is like this weak man created a an a, adve- strong. a strong adventuring killer. Exactly. But and and but you come to find out it was the reverse and like yeah. and dude and I'm sure watching it again, it wouldn't be as impactful mm-hmm. as watching it the first time. But like watching all the little things click, like here, like mm-hmm. seeing like the, the action movie poster, yeah. and like and like just all the little things and like the words that would come out. And like his brother was the one drawing the fish with the one short fin, mm-hmm. and all the other little shit. I'm just like. Ah, it was like that was. Oh, what, it's heartbreaking. It's not even. It was heartbreaking. It was exciting. It was intriguing. Even the way it was shot was just very captivating, and that's that's one of probably the best. This is probably the best episode of the series, but it's only good because you got so invested early on with the other episodes. Does that make sense? Hmm. But yeah, so after the big breakdown and. And God, talk talk about heartbreaking. It was the um, after the brother dies and the mother's going through her alcoholic phase, and then it's the birthdays. And every time he ran up the steps, and it just kind of repeated every couple years, and just seeing that transition and him just yelling like, you know, Stephen, stop, Stephen, stop, you know, just trying to get him to stop going through the memory and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm just like. Fuck <laughs> like that! I was like yeah, it's, fully it's, it's engaged. A, it's, a, it's a kick in the teeth. Oh, big time! Man. And you know, because the mom's just leaning in, being like, "It's your fault. Your brother's dead." Yeah, and it kind of gave kind of a horror aspect to it. I felt like, mm-hmm. um, and that's when you find out also that they're Jewish. It's a Jewish family. Yeah. Um, 
and because there's a part in the thing uh, I don't know if you've ever heard it called uh, sitting shiva, which is uh, we have we have wakes in our Christian <laughs> version. Uh, it's it you know someone passes away you have a wake and then you have a funeral, yep. right? There's a sitting shiva. Sometimes it's for 24 hours, sometimes it's for four hours, but you stay in the same room with the body. Yeah, because you can't leave the body alone for 24 hours. Uh, that's their version of it. Um, I've seen this happen. It's kind of weird, mm-hmm. but it's always like a rotating crowd, crowd of people. <laughs> but it's always the mainstay family that does it, and that's what the dad is doing when the mom dies, and you see Mark come back just for that, and he refuses to go in there. Yeah, and I'm just like, God damn, that's rough. Yeah, because you know it's just like his dad might still be alive. Mm-hmm. That's the fucked up part. But what got to me got to me is going back to watching it a second time is just. Stephen calling her every day. Yes. And hey, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while. I just wanted to let you know this and this and this. And then he goes on and talks to like a street mime. Uh, but like he's trying his best to get something out there because to him, his mom's still alive. Yeah. Because when Stephen was created, the mom was alive. Yeah. And then Mark became Mark again. Went and killed some uh, archaeologists. But see, this, <laughs> this is also what I'm kind of curious about. And I was hoping that, and this is the reason I was kind of hoping they may have gone into it a little deeper. And the, no one's really talked about this point, but it almost feels like a little bit of a plot hole. Okay. So Mark created Stephen to deal with his mom. Mm-hmm. Then why did Stephen have such an infinity for his mom? Because that's not what he sees. So so Mark, Mark, is seeing, Mark, Mark sees the violence. He creates Stephen to deal with the aftermath of the violence. So he, but, he creates... No, he deals with Stephen to deal with the violence. Yeah, that's that's the problem, though. He creates a uh, a pedestal for the mother. Right. Because he doesn't want to see his mother as that. So Stephen will take the brunt of the force, but still keep that mentality of a loving mother. It's a fucked up way to look at it, because after the mom dies, Stephen disappears temporarily. Then he becomes Mark again, does the mm-hmm. whole archaeology thing, kills some people, and gets with Conchu, becomes Moon Knight, and that's when Mark decides, I can't do this. I know what I can do. Yeah. And he switches, turns to Stephen. Stephen gets a job, lives in a loft, gets a fish, and then every now and then, Jake will pop the fuck up. Well, so that's, that's where I was going to lead to. It to, even with that explanation, I get what you're saying. I think Jake Jake uh, Jake Lockley is just the repression of hate and rage. I I think they're gonna further dig into this, and you're going to find out that Jake was the one that received the punishment. Could have been, yeah. I think because the only reason being is that it doesn't make sense because even in the scene that you're talking about with um, Mark showing up to his mother's. Uh, uh, funeral essentially mm-hmm. as soon as he has that breakdown in the street he transitions back to Steven and what does Steven do pull out his phone and immediately call his mom mm-hmm. where he gets his voicemail or do you just hear the dial tone or you, yeah. you see it just not working so it just it almost feels like it would be flipped that Steven would be the one that has a problem with his mom but Mark now is at peace with his mom because he was able to block that out because Stephen was getting the brunt of it. It just almost I don't, feels I don't, I don't flipped. Think, I don't think it's a, a, a personality perception. So uh, think about what Stephen is and think about what Mark is. Mark is a realist. 
Mark uh, uses violence. Mark, yes. Mark is a survivor. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have a negative connotation to certain people because he's like, that person, uh, like Obi-Wan situation, don't trust that motherfucker. <laughs> no, fuck that dude. Spoilers. He's an asshole. Uh, we're not going to trust that guy. But you can't be like that 100% of the time. So instead of you know masking it like most people in society do, he creates a happy-go-lucky, uh, a little socially awkward mm-hmm. guy, uh, someone who's very uh, what's to say, an uh, empathetic. Yeah, I mean, someone, I get all yeah, this. Yes. and I think he creates that just so he can have a lighter look at his mom, perception-wise. But but I, I get that. But but because their Steve, full personality. What's swaps. Stephen named after? But, but, but their full personality swaps, meaning like almost two separate brains. It, it, it's the perception of other characters from that personality. That's what but, I'm saying. But, but they're not getting the perception. It's two separate brains almost because Mark was unaware of what Stephen was doing and Stephen was unaware of what Mark was doing. Yeah, so that's when, what I'm saying. But I'm saying that the, 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 the Stephen character perceives yeah. the mother as good. But why? All because the, Stephen is good. But all Stephen <laughs> ever saw... If if Stephen truly did, was that, mm-hmm. the only time Stephen ever saw mom was when she was rageful and ready to beat. So I, I, I don't see the correlation on how Stephen would be the one that sees mom in a good light. No, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're saying. It's just because all for, he saw to me, was To me, negative. it's the black and white, what's called the terminus, which is uh, a, a, a kind of an example of theory of the black and white that come together like mm-hmm. a, like a crescent moon. Yeah. So like you have the terminus, which is all white and then you have the black and then in the middle is the terminus. Right. So I see that as everything negative that he hates, he mm-hmm. becomes hateful. He becomes violent. Everything good. He is good. He perceives everyone as trusting and good. Like when he meets Layla as Steven, mm-hmm. he just trusts her. Oh yeah. And he falls just, in love with oh, her. Oh, of course he does. Cause he's not Mark. <laughs> Cause Mark's a dick. Mark is a monster. He killed her father. He gaslighted this bitch. Yeah. So Steven is actually good. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's the terminus though. Like I, I, that's how I just perceived it as the black and white. Yeah. Uh, and the people who are on the white side tend to be more trusting, tend to have that golden light shine upon the people they love or the people they used to know. So that's how I, I see it. Yeah. So, like, it, he created the mindset of Stephen, named after his brother. Yeah. Who would have had a better light of the mother, who would have been like, I remember the good old days, blah, blah, blah. That's why I still call her. That's why I believe mm-hmm. she's still alive. And Mark's just like, nah, man, we fucked it all up. <laughs> and then Jake Locke is like, God damn right we did, bro. <laughs> We're going to fuck it up again. I don't know. I'm still going to believe that. Jake Lockley was the one receiving the punishment, and the last little bit of that I'll throw out on all this. Stephen watching this was unaware. Mm-hmm. Even watching when he became Stephen, he didn't recognize himself yeah. as Stephen. Well, that's a great so thing about that Steve. that's what makes me also think that it actually wasn't Stephen. He accidentally created Jake. Well, that's 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 the great thing about this. It's the batshit insane hero's journey <laughs> it, it is it, it's, it's a hero's journey yeah but it's also you know do i take the left or do i take the right mm-hmm. you know it's it's the it's the fork in the road um you can take left which is the steven which is a contemptual little man mm-hmm. um, meek trusting empathetic 
has a shitty job, lets people talk shit about him, let's call him by the wrong fucking name. <laughs> and then you have the right, which is Mark, who is very steadfast, quick on his feet. And then you have Jake with a tractor just making a new road. <laughs> Down the middle, it's like, we're getting to town now. Like, <laughs> like that one with the tractor powered by dead babies. <laughs> and see, and I knew I'd want to talk about this part a, a good bit, which is why I was kind of fast-forwarding through some of the earlier spots. Because mm. to me, this was the meat of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, this was the part that, to me, had like so much to unpack and kind of discuss and just kind of sort through almost. Because it was the most captivating part. At least in my opinion. this is the this is the future Rama, yes, episode. and that's why I it's think it really funny got me and sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great episode, great jokes, great quips, fucking new characters. Everyone's happy go lucky, and it's just like, hey, your dog died because <laughs> you went through time. <laughs> it's like it's like they smack you back to back. Yeah, great funny clips and quips, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, brother drowns. Yeah, mother's an abusive bitch. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, oh my god. And another part of this is the is actually a Futurama thing. Steven falls off the goddamn boat. Yes. And turns to stone. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they say. Because You can't touch the ground. Nope, can't touch the ground or you'll immediately get cast into stone. But what was interesting was at that moment, the scales balanced. Yeah, because now there's no confusion. Mm-hmm. Because the scales were just going wild at first. They were yeah. not leveling out at all. But Mark does the thing he needs to do. He hops off the fucking boat. Does the whole like T one thousand thing from Terminator yep. and just fucking saves his boy, mm-hmm. his other self, his brother, pretty much, and he kind of redeems the whole arc of the brother dying. Yep, and then straight from the resurrection, man. Oh yeah, didn't need three days and bread. No, nope. <laughs> episode six, gods and monsters, in which we finally get our big big fight, and that's uh, basically that's all episode six is. It's just a big fight. <laughs> go go Godzilla! Yeah, Godzilla. So, uh, so uh, there's this there's a scene in the beginning of it where old girl she's like fucking Layla's like dipping and diving when the, in the fucking crypt or whatever, uh-huh. and she wakes Kanchu and Kanchu's just like behind her the whole time. Uh-huh. He's like, say yes, goddamn it, <laughs> say yes, become the Moon Knight, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, fuck off, bitch. <laughs> and like, all right, so he's like, fine, I'll take care of this myself. Yeah, and he turns into the giant Kanchu, fights the giant alligator woman. Yeah. Uh, but, but right about this time, but like the voice in her head, she's like, "Hey, yeah, hey, Layla, it's me, the hippie lady." And it's just like this goofy bitch, this goofy goddess of time is just like, "I can help you. Please let me help you. Let me become a god. Like, like I'll turn you into a god. Just let me let me do something." You ever seen Wonder Woman? <laughs> and, and, and so I'm sitting here going, "I'm like, okay, so Layla's totally about to get this. I wonder what it's going to be. I wonder. I'm trying to like run through all the like the you know animalistic hippoe type mm-hmm. things that you know. It's like, oh, how are they going to wrap this into her costume? Wings, like well, a just, goddamn bird. Well, not just wings. It's it's the Osiris uh, winged. Uh, it's the Scarlet Scarab. Yes, and I get that. It, it works in with the name, but damn it, my my. You thought she was going to turn into like a tank hippopotamus lady I, or something? My, my my stupid nerd brain that was just on like popcorn and just you know flashing lights, Marvel show, shut mm-hmm. off brain time. I'm sitting here going, I'm like, I want hippo god person. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it was, I thought it was badass. Oh, it, it was it, absolutely badass. I do love I do love the part where like all right, so. It's a knockdown drag out between Harrow, Layla, and Mark as the Moon Knight. And then in the backdrop, it's an alligator 
monster versus a giant Cock skeleton, skeleton yeah. bird man. Yes. And it's it's a knockdown drag out and it kind of mimics the fight on Grant on land yep. and the fucking top. And there's a scene where the car flips over and she stops it and like the little girl is like Are you in a super are you an Egyptian superhero? It's just like Yes, yes, I am. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I'm just like, that would be the shit. Out of yes. all the things you saw in the last 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a rich white guy from heaven, uh, a giant white man who could take a bullet to the chest, a green man who's also white, uh, <laughs> a red-headed white lady, uh, a golden god from heaven, white. <laughs> and I'm just thinking like, Oh my god, that's fucking hilarious! It's like, oh, we got one. <laughs> we and got the, one. And the thing is, is I hope the fan base doesn't get all because again, spoilers. We were watching Kenobi. The fan base has gotten all shitty over one that's of the, the main characters. Fans. On they there. need to shut the fuck up. Well, I'm hoping people don't get shitty over this character because she was actually cool. Yeah. Like I liked her better than Captain Marvel and like some of the other like female superheroes they tried to push. Uh, she Star Wars, was, like, if, you, if in the grand scheme. Uh, Star Wars fans, I think, in my mind, have the worst toxic fans because it is and just... we are Star Wars fans. We yeah. would know. <laughs> but I'm not going to say, hey, the Asian girl from fucking the last three Star Wars movies needs to go kill herself. I'm not going to fucking say that because that's fucked up. Yeah. It's, no, not her, that- you know, it's not her fault. If anything, I'd say, hey, can we see that move the purple hated lady did before? Can we just see some kind of backdrop on how she knew what the fuck to do with that? Yeah, exactly. Did she like kamikaze or droid into a fucking spaceship <laughs> one time? It's like, holy shit, that works. I'm the only one that saw that. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm just hoping that, because I've kind of stayed away, and the only reason I even knew this was going on with the Star Wars thing is it was so bad the official yeah. Star Wars page even said something. Mm-hmm. And they only said that with Rose Tico from previously yeah, so I was just like quit. yeah and I'm just like good god it got that how bad fu- again yeah, how fucked have you gotta be to force somebody to quit yeah and she's not even a bad character so she, she, I, I it just, bothers it bothers the fuck out of me like when you had told me about that because mm-hmm. I really I, 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 pre, I like her character like, oh I do the too because I know what happens to her but, <laughs> but uh, it's like it's a great villain oh yeah let him be the villain fuck and, and and this is kind of why I'm looking at on this. I was just like, you know, I I've not paid attention to the fan reaction to all these shows because I found that can also sometimes taint things. Mm. So I've not paid attention to like the comments yeah. of things, you know, to see the mass majority opinion of uh, well, you know like the, the Marvel it's, stuff. It's, it's like uh, the Black Widow movie. I went, I watched, I saw that, and I, all I heard was, "Oh my god, it's so fucking stupid. It's bad." I legitimately have a good time watching it. And that's great. Because it's a grounded reality character. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you don't like it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and that's all that matters. This is the Lord of the Rings argument. Like, <laughs> I, I refuse. Ju- Alex refuses to watch I Lord refuse. of the Rings. I refuse. But you also acknowledge, like, I see it as a great film. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to be and like... I can't take that away. That's I'm totally like, fine. I'm, but, like, if I didn't like it, I'm, I wouldn't be like, Elijah Wood, kill yourself. <laughs> no. Kill yourself, you fat-footed fuck. <laughs> so, so, no, I, I hope the uh, Scarlet Scarab kind of sticks around. She was, oh, yeah. she, was, she was a cool little action hero. I would like to see maybe them show up in whatever the Eternals kind of spins off into uh-huh. with, like, the Black Knight, Blade... Um, whatever they're going to do with those properties yeah because it is the secondary tier of the new phase um because we get uh the other miss marvel uh from wandavision yep. we get the ms marvel from the new show coming out we get the she-hulk we got the new captain america sam sam wilson 
Um, so it it's going to be rounded off pretty well, I think. I think oh, yeah. I think they'll keep. Um, I think Spider Man will pop back up. Yeah, I think they'll keep Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. Maybe Valkyrie. I know. Oh yeah, um, Valkyrie's cool. Korg. <laughs> he, gets, he gets to be among it. You know what I want to see because of respect to my Marvel. I want to see Michael Pena hang out with Cork. <laughs> so well, my homie's girlfriend's cousin said, right? And Cork's like, oh, yeah, I know that. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we can just wrap up uh, this part of the episode so we can just kind of talk about it in general. Yeah, so, of course, Harrow does not win. And instead of killing him like Conchu wants, he instead takes him to a hospital. And yeah. they decide that they're like, you know what? No, we're, we're not going to reject this. We're going to... Uh, well, they, uh, well uh, Stephen decides to reject. He's just mm. like, no, I don't want this anymore. We had a deal. Yeah. Layla's like, oh, hold on to this a little bit. <laughs> but then our mid credit scene is you see Harrow in the doctor's office, and yeah. all of a sudden someone walks up behind him, says, no, ma'am, I've got this, and wheels him outside. And by this point, you already kind of catch what's happening because there's a dead body on the floor, and even Harrow's starting to catch it. He's, his eyes are starting to dart around and get a little wider. <laughs> and it was <laughs> one of the best micro jokes in the entire mm-hmm. series he gets harrow in the car shuts the door and it looks like he's just gonna like wheel the wheelchair back up to the thing he just should. grabs it and just throws the motherfucker yeah. or just like kicks it either way just violently gets rid of it and i busted out laughing the first time i saw that and then harrow meets conchu in the back seat and he's like oh you're trying to kill me now yada 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 whoa well steven and mark aren't part of your pawns anymore and he's like yeah you're right but i never needed them in the first place yeah taps on the window and it rolls down he goes meet my new friend Jake Lockley. <laughs> and the sure as shit, we finally get that third personality, and he just turns around and at point blank range, without flinching or recoil or anything near his ears, pop, pop. shoots that thing right next to his fucking face. <laughs> yeah. Again, it takes a lot to take me out of these kind of movies, but even that, I'm sitting here going, no recoil. It's right next to your face, and you're not even flinching. Or acting like well, it's that's hurting that's your ears. He's, he's a cold-blooded killer. Oh yeah, he's he's, he's had this disability to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, go, going back to actors who went above and beyond, uh, Robert Patrick from Terminator Two. Yeah, learned not to blink while shooting a firearm. That's why he's so goddamn terrified in that movie because he's just like, <laughs> bam, 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 fuck you, Ed Furlong, and it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, he is a robot because <laughs> robots don't blink. But no, so what did you think of the series overall? It was fantastic. I wish they make two more of them. Well, I mean, I would highly doubt that this is going to be like the uh, the only season of Moon Knight we get. I mean, we've already gotten confirmation that he's going to show up in the mainstay movies and stuff like that. So, I would be shocked if we don't get another season of this, yeah. considering how well it went over. Well, you know, twenty thirty is just around the corner. Oh so. God, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we help. He already said he's got the next ten years planned out. Yeah. So. Um, Hopefully these actors stay alive. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Well, I mean, hell, it seems like we won't fucking need them to with the way Star Wars is working their characters. I will say one of the main villains in the Moon Knight series was Clea from the new Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's her. She's one of the main villains. And she's not really a villain. She's more of a, I need to kill Moon Knight because he's a dick. <laughs> but it, it is a slapstick kind of situation going on. Well, and plus we're going to be getting Blade here soon, too. Yes. And that all ties in with this, too. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, Moon Knight might show up there. 
Oh, Morbius might show up in that. <sighs> we still haven't watched that. I don't. Uh, I'll watch Lord of the Rings now. Okay. <laughs> let's let's watch Jared Leto fuck up. Oh uh, well, for this episode of the Couch Discord, if you, if you want us to watch it, we'll do a watch along. Oh my God, no, we won't. Yes, we will. If enough people in the Discord <laughs> say watch Morbius, do us watch along. We will pirate that movie and watch it. <laughs> With bells on. Oh god! Maybe after a few drinks. <laughs> Whatever. But for this episode of the Couch Potatoes, I've been Alex and Chris. Do you have any sort of final Moon Knight thoughts? You can hear the bones crunch when he hits a motherfucker. That's what I like. Anyway, if you heard of the Batman one, you'll love this one. So, so when he cracks it, imagine imagine like a bunch of marbles in a sock with blood in it, and it's just like this the crunching noise. Nah, but um. This is a fantastic series. I will say that, especially with the hippo gods. And I just like the slapstick comedy of the hippo lady. She's like, "Hey, do you want to be a superhero? Do you, you want to live forever? Let me go inside your brain." <laughs>